All right, we're welcome to the service. We're so glad you're here at the first rally of 2024, January Rally in the Valley. We're glad you're here. Glad uh, you've all made it safely. And uh, good to have Brother Steve with us. And uh, he's been in Alaska for, what, three weeks, five weeks, something like that. And uh, back, back home for a little bit in the state of Virginia. And so we're glad you're here. We're going to uh, ask Pastor Ogden to come, our pastor. And uh, we're celebrating 42 years on Sunday of ministry here at Victory Baptist Church. He's been the pastor the whole time. And uh, I think we ought to probably just give him a round of applause. Thank you, Pastor, for your faithfulness. And, uh, and uh, we love preaching. And so he's going to, uh, why don't you go ahead and stand with us, would you, would you please? And our pastor's going to open us up in a word of prayer. I certainly want to welcome everyone. Thank you for being here on this nice Friday evening. Uh, Brother Steve has been up where it is really cool. As a matter of fact, I call it cold. Amen. And we've had some of that, not near what he's at. But I want to welcome you in. I want you to take something home with you tonight. I want you to get something from God's Word and take it home with you and then use it uh, the rest of the year to build a better year for Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we do want to thank you for the good day, for your blessings. We thank you for, Lord, just the simple fact that we can call you our Father. And we know that, Lord, because we are your child, that, Lord, tonight we can, Lord, come and uh, with all the assurance and confidence that, uh, Lord, the scriptures give us, that you'll answer and hear our prayers. And I pray for that one that's here tonight without Christ. They're not sure of heaven, not sure their sins are forgiven. I pray this will be the night that they pass from death unto life. And, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you'll just take the, uh, the music, the word of God, our time together tonight. And, Lord, just use it for your glory. And, Lord, draw all men to Christ. And we'll love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Take your hymnal and go to page 165. Just remain uh, standing 165. Sing all three verses.
Page 461. 461. We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 4. 1, 2, and 4. Trying to walk in the steps of the Savior. Trying to follow our Savior and King. Shaping our lives by His blessed example. Happy, how happy Stepping in the light, how beautiful to walk 
Really, you ought to make that a goal, amen? Walking in the steps of the Savior. Because one day we will see Christ, amen? And uh, no doubt about it. And uh, it seems like it's going to be soon, doesn't it? And uh, it really does. And um, we need to be anticipating the Lord's return. Watching and waiting is what the Bible talks about. So we praise God. All right, listen, we're going to um, uh, have a word of prayer for the offering. And I uh, appreciate what you can give to help out with the expense of the rally. Well, let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you so much for the privileges to give and to be a part uh, of this meeting tonight. I pray that you'd bless it, uh, be with the offering, continue to meet the needs as you have all these years, and we praise you for it. And we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Have Brother Jim come and, um, and give us the scores for upstairs and downstairs of the winning church this month. And a lot of competition upstairs. I'm not sure how it was downstairs. Maybe Brother Jim tell us. But I appreciate all the young people getting involved and uh, memorizing the Word of God. So don't forget, we'll tell you in a minute, but Proverbs chapter 13 next month. So you come, Brother Jim. Well, downstairs we had a lot of um, participation, um, but that, that's always good. We had fellowship. We had with Fellowship Baptist with 20 points, Valley Baptist with 58, Emmanuel Baptist with 554. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I said there was participation, but there wasn't a lot of competition. <laughs> and upstairs, we had Valley Baptist with 18, Midway Baptist with 40, Victory Baptist with 82, Grace Baptist with 104, Fellowship Baptist with 134, People's Baptist with 234, and Emmanuel Baptist with 323. 
think somewhere in the rules, if both churches won, they were disqualified for the next month. Is that right? <laughs> next month? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just good job, guys. Really good job. Congratulations to you guys. All right, let me um, bring your attention to a few announcements, okay? And so don't forget, uh, next month, uh, it's our next meeting in February. It'll be February 23rd, and uh, that's the last Friday. falls a little bit earlier because of the calendar, but we'll have Evangelist Byron Fox with us. And so that'll be next month on the 23rd. will be Proverbs chapter number 13. And um, there's a few sign-up sheets down here. I think the special music sheet is full, but I put it down here so it reminds you. So take a look at that if you've signed up for special music to make sure you know uh, when you're uh, going to be singing. And so that sheet's down there. And uh, by the way, we appreciate all the folks that are helping out different churches with the food. That's been a blessing to us. And so I think there's a couple spots left if you want to jump in on that. And then there's some um, spots down there left for the offertory. So if you'd like to play an offertory, uh, like uh, Philip and Sarah just did, you're welcome to do that. And so uh, we appreciate you doing that. I want to remind you of a, of a meeting we're having this year. It's, it's this year, 24, sep- uh, September of 24. It's going to replace our September Rally in the Valley. So normally our Rally in the Valley is on a Friday, okay? And so this year we're going to replace it and do this, what we call the Bridge of Hope Crusade. And uh, it's going to be held in Charlottesville. And it's going to be at Bethel Baptist Church. But the date is September the 28th. Okay, so it's the, the next Saturday after we would normally have the rally. But Kenny Baldwin's going to be speaking. It's going to be an all-day youth rally. So probably have some registration around 9 o'clock. Start the meeting around 9.45, 10 o'clock. Go to around 3 or 4 o'clock. Uh, there'll be several messages. There'll be a teen choir. Uh, there'll be games. There'll be food. Uh, there's no cost to it this year at all. This is the initial meeting. We're going to try to start doing this. And so every year, and so this is for all of Virginia, folks outside of Virginia who we can get to come. And so that's called the Bridge of Hope. We'll have a, a website up pretty soon. I'll try to remind you of that next month. But if you could write the date down, September 28th, 2024, that's a Saturday um, uh, in September, the last Saturday in September, if I remember correctly. And Brother Kenny Baldwin will be the speaker. So please remember that. We'll have several kickoff meetings um, prior to that meeting. And so the first kickoff meeting will be at our meeting in March. So we'll be right here. We'll probably have a choir practice. So we'll, we'll say more about that next month. But it'll be our regular rally in the valley in March. Brother Reno will be here with us. Um, we'll have a special prayer time. We'll have a special choir practice for that uh, Bridge of Hope meeting. There'll be another one uh, in Albemarle, I think, on a Thursday in July. There'll be another one um, at Bethel, uh, maybe that first uh, Saturday in um, September. We'll remind you of all those things. But those are going to be some kickoff meetings. Uh, for those with the actual meeting on the, the 28th. So please write that down and be praying about that, all right? All right, we'll have a special guest with us tonight. Um, he's this close to being my son-in-law, this close, this close, almost there. Uh, two weeks from tomorrow, uh, Brother Kerry, Charles, he's the director of the Edge Christian Camp. How many of you guys have been to the Edge Christian Camp? Okay, maybe for a rally, a meeting. Okay, good, good. And so, um, and so that's uh, down in what county? What's the name of the county? Surrey, Surrey County. So it's actually about almost three hours directly uh, east, all right, uh, not too far, right off the James River, uh, great camp, the Edge Christian Camp. So he's here. Uh, they're working on some things, with some, uh, f- finishing up counseling, getting marriage licenses, all that kind of stuff. And uh, he's heading back. He was going to head back today, and so I uh, roped him into doing some games for us, right? It's what he does. And so uh, we're glad he stayed. That wasn't the real reason he stayed. He was going to stay anyway. Uh, it was really to see Rebecca longer is really what it was. Right, Kerry? Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, he's going to uh, help lead us in some games. And so I'm going to let him come. I'll give you a mic. And, uh, and he's going to lead us in a couple games. What we do to help you All right. I need a couple.
before. You ever seen a three-way push-up? Okay. It's pretty, pretty intense. I've seen some guys miserably fail on this, and it's quite funny. Um, so, have you ever done a three-way push-up? What's your name? Kevin. Can you say it a little louder? Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Everyone say hi, Kevin. Okay. Uh, Tim, and I've not done this before. You've never done this before. Okay, say hi, Tim. Yeah. What's... Edgardo. Edgardo. Yeah. Okay. Say hi, Edgardo. All right, so I'm going to have you come over here. Man, y'all are looking good while you do this. All right, all right. If you can just lay on your belly right there, okay? Um, I need you to turn your feet a little bit this way. No, no, stay on your belly. There you go. There you go. All right, now I need you to do the same thing, only facing him. Pick up your back of your legs real quick. Pick up your legs. I want you to put your back underneath him. Okay, lay flat on your belly. Come back a little bit. There you go. Pick up your legs. All right, now you're going to do the same thing, only you're going to face this way. Put your back underneath his legs. All right? Tell you what, so he doesn't hit his head, let's all three move that way towards the audience a little bit more, okay? Just a tad bit. Okay, there you go. Awesome. All right, now go that way a little bit. There you go. Now I'm going to turn you. Pick up your legs. There you go. Right on the back of his. All right, awesome. <laughs> this is going to be really funny. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So, y'all think they can do this? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So, on a count of three... You're just going to push up, and you have to hold it for about 15 seconds, okay? I'm going to time you and uh, see if you can do this. Now, I will warn you, the biggest thing with this, and right now none of you are doing it, is you have to lock your knees. So if you don't lock your knees, you're going to fail most likely, all right? So here we go. On your marks, get set, go. Keep it there. Keep it going. Keep it going. You're at five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Nice job. All right, you guys go be seated. Thank you so much. All right, I need, I need two young ladies up here, actually. You two ladies want to come up here? That'd be great. All right, actually, I'm going to get four. Let's get two other young ladies. You wanna, do you two want to come over here? Right, you two? Okay, awesome. All right, I'm going to have you ladies stand right here. You're, you got this, okay? All right, I'm going to have you two ladies stand right there, okay? Now, they're going to be our, our examples this evening, but I'm going to add more to it, okay? So basically, you're going to stand back to back. Don't do it just yet, okay? But you're going to stand back to back with a little bit of room in between you. How many of y'all have ever played rock, paper, scissors? You done, you done that before? Okay, this is not rock, paper, scissors, okay? Um, <laughs> this, is, this is called Bear Ninja Cowboy, okay? Now, you have to get a little bit excited with this. If you don't get excited with this, it won't be worth it, all right? So basically, on a count of three, you're going to do one of these three motions. You're going to, you have to do the jump. It doesn't make sense if you don't. So you jump and do one of these three actions, okay? You have bear, you have ninja, and you have cowboy, all right? So let's practice together, please. Practice together, please. You ready? Here we go. You don't, y'all don't look ready. Okay. Um, on a count of three, we do bear. Ready? Here we go. You got to jump with it. All right, ready? One, two, three. Bear, ninja. Is that like a runner? I don't know. All, right, all right, here we go. And then cowboy. Ready? You gonna jump? Okay. All right. There you go. Awesome. So stand back to back. Here we go. We're going to try it. Bear beats the ninja. Ninja beats the cowboy. Cowboy beats the bear. Say it with me. Bear beats the ninja. Ninja beats the cowboy. Cowboy beats the bear. Are right, you ready? On your marks. Get set. I didn't go yet. Hold on. <laughs> try again. On your marks. Get set. Go. Don't move. Okay, ninja beats, does not beat bear, bear beats ninja, you can stay right there, and 
Cowboy beats the bear. So great job, great job. So stay right there. That was an example. And we're gonna have, I'm gonna have an elimination round, okay? So I'm gonna get two, actually four more guys real quick. I need two guys from this side. Two guys from this side. You two guys look like you really wanna do it. Yes, that'd be great. Thank you so much, yes. Um, And then you two guys, yes, all right? Okay, so you're gonna do back to back just like them. You two over there, you two over there. Here we go. All right, remember, bear beats the ninja, ninja beats the cowboy, cowboy beats the bear. Here we go, ready, back to back. Back to back, hello. There you go, all right, there you go. Now you have to do the jump, okay? It really adds more emphasis, all right? So, on your marks, get set, go. Okay, don't move, let's see. So, bear beats ninja, ninja beats cowboy, so you can go take a seat. You tied, let's see what you got. Ninja beats cowboy, so you can go take a seat. And, what is that? That's cowboy, all right, yeah. All right, bear beat, cowboy beats bear, so bear can go take a seat. Y'all confusing me. All right, so now you two can go against each other, back to back, and you get a bye round, all right? All right, here we go. Ready? That's really funny. <laughs> all right, on your marks, get set, go. Okay. Did you, what did you guys have? You have bear? Okay, so cowboy beats the bear, you can take a seat. You two young ladies can go against each other. Actually, if you want to come over on this side. And then you guys come right here. All right, you ready? Here we go, elimination round. On your marks, get set, go. What'd you have? Okay, if you lost, you can go take a seat. All right, you got it? Did you have cowboy? Okay, so you got it. Um, Wait, what did she have? You had ninja, bear beats ninja, ninja beats cowboy, so you actually go take a seat then. All right, I'm sorry about that. All right, so you get a bye round. We're gonna go for this again. No ties, all right? On your marks, get set, go. All right, you can go take a seat. And then the last two, here we go. What's your name, sir? Jonathan. Jonathan, all right, and what's your name? Harper. Harper, here we go, back to back, please. I'm looking for the biggest jump that you've got, okay? Most enthusiasm that you can give me. On your marks, get set, go. Oh, wow, that was really impressive by the jumps, by the way, all right? So, Ninja Beats Cowboy, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Great job, you can go take a seat. All right, I'm gonna get, let's see, is there any brother and sister in here? A brother and sister? Okay, uh, if I can get a brother, do you guys? I'd say, two. Let's do, we'll do one up here and we'll do another one, okay? So, well, let's do over here real quick. Did you guys have it? You guys have it? It's, it's not your birthday, all right. If you guys are ready, come on up, yeah. So, that's fine. You. You all three, you, both, you four can come, okay? Yeah. Okay, so y'all come over here. Hey, we're not playing Bear Ninja Cowboy, so yeah. Um, all right, you two can come over here. And we're going to do something very, very fun, okay? So I'm going to actually have you two stand right here. You guys get to watch this round, okay? And you can face towards him, okay? Now, normally this is played, and a lot of people played this game, okay? Normally it's called the cup game, but we don't have a cup. So I have my hand, okay? This is great hand. Please do not hurt it, all right? Um, so all you have to do, oh, yeah, that, all right. Um, <laughs> all you have to do in this game is basically tell you, you have to follow the instructions that I give you, okay? So basically I'm going to say touch your shoulders, so touch your shoulders. Touch your head. Touch your shoulders. Touch your waist. Touch your head. And I'm going to give you instructions from there on. And eventually I'm going to say hand, and the first one to hit the hand wins, okay? Oh. It's a very simple game, all right? All right, you ready for that? Be very nice, okay? All right. <laughs> on your marks, 
Get set. You ready? Okay. Hand. Wow, that was... Mm. Okay. Let's try again. Here we go. Touch your head. Touch your shoulders. Touch your knees. Touch your head. Touch your shoulders. Touch your knees. Touch your head. Touch your knees. Touch your head. That's... Yeah, there you go. Touch your head. Touch your head. Touch your ears. Touch your nose. Touch your forehead. Touch your chin. Touch your eye booger. Don't do that. No, touch your ear. Um, touch your ears. Touch your head. Touch your knee. Turn around all the way. That was really slow. Hold on. Oh. Let me say it this way. 360, okay? All right, here we go. 360. You don't have to jump. Um, okay. Opposite 360. There you go. Opposite 360. Opposite 360. Touch head. Touch shoulders. Hand. Oh, nice done. Nicely done. Don't go take a seat. You ready? Here we go. All right, you ready? Here we go. You're really excited about this. You're really excited about this. Okay. All right. Touch your head. Touch your shoulders. Touch your ears. Touch your nose. Touch your eyelashes. Touch your head. Touch your forehead. Touch your chin. Touch your shoulders. Touch your knees. Touch your shoulders. Touch your elbows. I always love doing that one. Uh, touch your head. Touch your ears. 360. Opposite 360. Opposite 360. 360. <laughs> hand. Oh, nicely done. All right, you can go take a seat. Give him a round of applause. They did very good. They did very good. Thank you so much for doing that. All right. Well, why don't you take your songbook um, one more time and stand with us, if you would, please. And turn to number 153. 153 coming again. And sing with all your heart. Sing it like you mean it, okay? Sing all three verses. All three verses. Marvelous message we bring. Baby, he and baby, sir. 
that song will will cause you to think about eternity and um, if you're here tonight and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone for salvation it's not it's not by works of righteousness it's not through being baptized or even church membership uh, trying to see if your good outweighs your bad it's not about any of that and um, it's about the Lord Jesus and the price that he paid on Calvary for our sin Matter of fact, uh, he paid it in full, and um, all of our sins have been uh, paid for by the Lord Jesus, past, present, and future. And so all you have to do is receive the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so the only way to go to heaven is through the Lord Jesus. And that's what he said in, in the book of John. Uh, in my Father's house are many mansions, he said. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I'd go to prepare a place for you. If I go, I'll go to prepare a place for you. I'll come again and receive you into myself. That where I am, you may be also. And later on in that chapter, verse number six, I believe it is, he says um, that, um, yeah. Somebody help me out. John, 14, John 14, 6, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's it. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's only through the Lord Jesus. And so um, I hope if you don't know him tonight, that you will come to know him before this meeting is over. And we're, we're here to help you. Uh, your youth director, uh, your pastor, uh, one of the workers here, more than happy to help you uh, to know that, you, know that you're going to heaven. All right, so we've got Brother Steve Pickett. I called him Steve Hart earlier. I, I, we have a friend named Steve Hart from Illinois. <laughs> it's Brother Steve Pickett. He knows who he is, amen, praise God. And uh, we know who he is too. But he's, he's here with us, and I met Brother Steve years ago. Uh, at uh, camp, Indian Creek Baptist camp, and, uh, and when I came back to Virginia, um, didn't realize he was really close to us, and so we finally got in touch with him, and uh, he was able to come and start preaching at, at the, uh, the rally of the we're, we're so thankful that he's been able to come, and so he's going to come in just a moment, but before he does, we're going to have the Owen girls come, I believe, right, and sing, and so they're going to come, and they're going to sing for us, and then as soon as they get done, uh, Brother Steve's going to come preach for us, so you get your Bibles ready. And uh, you ask God to speak to your heart, uh, and we'll let these girls sing.
your voice it has led me through the fire through darkest nights you were close like no other i've known you as a father i have known you as a friend and i have lived in the goodness of so much ladies and I tell you what I want to give a hand to all those that participated in the competition let's give them a hand because they came well prepared I thought to myself as they were answering the questions before they were asked they must have memorized the whole chapter word for word matter of fact how many of you are here and have no idea who I am? You've never met me before. Would you hold your hand in there? I figured there were quite a few of you who had no idea how blessed you are <laughs> not to know who I am. But, uh, you know, I've been coming several years 
January is the time that I've always had free to come, and this is the largest January crowd that we have had since I've been coming. Absolutely wonderful. So there are some of you who have no idea why we're a patch, and so I thought maybe I might better tell you. It's because I want to. <clears throat> That's it. <laughs> no, actually, I had to have my eye taken out 29 years ago as a result of cancer. I do have an eyepiece. It does look real, it does look normal, but I have a drainage issue they've never been able to solve, so I wear the patch for your benefit. <laughs> so you don't walk up to me and say, Ugh, what's that on your eye? Well, it's stuff that's in your sinuses and everywhere else. But when it's clean, it looks wonderful. How many of you have heard of this artificial intelligence? Would you hold your hand in there, you know, called AI? <laughs> I'm for AI. <clears throat> <clears throat> It's better than no eye. I am 100% for it. By the way, AI is going to be a dangerous thing in the future, something we're going to have to watch out for. It's going to be some good benefits, no doubt, but I am a supporter right now <clears throat> with my one eye. I'll tell at least one eye story since we have new folks here. It happened in Washington, D.C. I live in Fairfax. I had left a meeting in Georgia Stone Mountain, Georgia, flew back to Washington, D.C. for my outpatient surgery. Outpatient surgery. It is not a major, major procedure, procedure to have your eye removed. It is a minor surgery. <laughs> I was not admitted to the hospital. I went to the hospital. They took the eye out, and three hours later, I went home. <laughs> it is a minor procedure. <clears throat> Very minor. <laughs> If I have the other one removed, that would be major. <clears throat> anyway, I came home to the Washington Dulles Airport and I walked into the United Carpet, Red Carpet Room and there was a lady sitting behind the desk and she had a medical bandage on her eye. She's a lady that has helped me with tickets for years and I said, Sharon, what's wrong? She says, I'm facing eye surgery. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I wanted to be a help to her. When you've been through a situation, you can help people that are facing the same situation. So I wanted to encourage her. I said, tell me what, what the issue is. She says, well, they discovered a growth in my eye, and they do not know if they'll be able to treat it or if I'll have to have my eye removed. I said, well, I'm sorry to hear that. You, you know, I, I face the same thing. She said, well, I know you wear a patch, but I've never asked why. I said, well, my situation was much like yours. They had discovered a growth in my eye. The problem for me was the growth was on the optic nerve. There was no way they could treat the eye without destroying it. So the best option for me was just to have the eye removed. I said, but you know, it's not a big deal. It is a minor procedure. You go to the hospital, they take your eye out. Three hours later, you go home. By the end of the same week, you're back on the job doing everything you've always been able to do. And I, and I said the eyepieces, they look real. They look natural. They move. They track. And I said, would you like to see mine? And she said, yes. And so I did what I always do. I turned around. I took my handkerchief and I, I cleaned the eye to make sure that it was presentable. And I turned back around and I lifted the patch and she looked and turned away. And she would not look back. And I thought, that's odd. Most people, when they see it, they look at it and say, wow, that really does look good. And it does. But she would not look. And that really threw me. I continued to encourage her. I said, it looks real. It looks natural. It moves. It tracks. But she wouldn't look. 
So finally, I just lowered the patch. I eventually had to leave and get on the tram, go to the main terminal to meet my wife. I couldn't get out of my mind. Why wouldn't she look? And I thought, oh, man. I wonder if when I cleaned it, I had turned it and showed it to her crooked. And so I walked into a men's room, walked up to a mirror, lifted the patch, and sure enough, that eye was looking up over there like that. One eye was looking straight ahead. One eye was looking over there. And, and I told her how natural it looks. I felt horrible because I was trying to help her. I could not get back through security. Three days later, I'm at the airport. Immediately, I go to the red carpet room. I run in. I said, Sharon, Sharon, I've got to apologize to you. She said, why? I said, I had no idea when I showed you my eye that I had turned it and showed it to you crooked. She said, oh, don't think a thing about it. Because when you walked out those two doors, I thought to myself, there goes the most positive man I've ever met in my life. If you thought that I looked good, she said it was the most horrendous thing I've ever seen. And so I have many, many, many eye stories. I love going to the eye doctor. Oh, I love it. Sometimes I go and I'm wearing my patch. I sit there in the office and I say, how many of you are here to see Dr. Perman? They'll raise their hand. When I started coming here, I had two eyes. <laughs> They've always told me, if you'll just sit down and be quiet, we'll get you in immediately. <laughs> Sometimes I go and I don't wear the patch. And I do this purposefully because before you see the optometrist, you meet other people. And they do tests on your eyes. And all those people change from time to time. They don't seem to hold their job very long. And so I went in, you know, I've got all these new people. And I look like a normal person with two eyes. And I sit in front of this machine. I think it, it, it checks his refraction or something like that. You put your head in and it focuses on your eyes. This one would go zoop, zoop, zoop. And this one would go zoop, zoop, And the lady will stand there. I don't know what's wrong with this. I've never seen it do that before. And would you put your head in? I'll put my head in again. And she said, I'm going to have to go get somebody. And she goes and comes back with somebody else. I put my head in again, does the same thing again. And I said, you reckon it's because I have one eye? <laughs> and they want to kill you. Probably the most hilarious thing that happened, I was there to see Dr. Perman, but I didn't see him. I saw Dr. Gellert. I'd never seen Dr. Gellert before. Dr. Perman was on vacation. And so I go in, I sit down in the chair where they have that big thing, you know, that comes and does your eyes and all that kind of stuff. And they got the chart on the wall. I'm sitting in the chair. He walks in, sits down. And the very first thing he does is hand me a paddle to cover my eyes. And I don't have my patch on. I'm sitting there in the chair, look like a normal person. He says, okay, cover your right eye. I was okay. I covered the right eye. Can you read that line? Yeah, I read that line. Can you read that line? Yeah, I read that line. Can you read that line? Yeah, I read that line. He said, oh, that's good. Cover the other eye. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there. Can you read that line? No. Can you read that line? No. You can hear the concern. Can you read that line? I can't even see the big E at the top. <laughs> then he looks at my chair. Oh, you only have one out. <laughs> I know. I thought you should have known before you came in. 
I don't have a problem having one eye. I've had a blast having one eye. I'm thinking about taking the other one out. It's got to be really a lot of fun. I'm not using this device because I'm high tech. I'm using this device so I can see my letters. <laughs> and so I blow my letters up real big so that I can see them. Why don't you turn to a passage of scripture, Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 13. And uh, years ago, I heard a man preach from this passage of scripture and he called it life's most embarrassing moment. Anybody here ever been embarrassed before? <laughs> Anybody ever been? Yeah, everybody's been embarrassed. He called this life's most embarrassing moment. <clears throat> I'm a collector of embarrassing moments. If you tell me your most embarrassing moment, I'll tell it everywhere I go. <clears throat> Just to embarrass you. <laughs> Matthew chapter number seven, verse 13. I want you to put your finger on one word in that verse that's a word that might bother me. Uh, one word that might bother me. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. There's one word that bothers me. Put your finger on it. How many of you have your finger on the word many? Uh, not very many of you. That's the word that bothers me. And it should bother all of us. Because according to the next verse, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. These are the words of our Lord, Sermon on the Mount, and he's indicating here more people will go the way of destruction, hell, than will go the way of heaven. Many will go the way of destruction. It may be that many of the people you know may not be going to heaven. But that's not the only place that word's found in this passage. Look down in verse 21. In verse number 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, here it comes again, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? Notice these were people who were preaching, prophesying in his name. These were people who were casting out devils. These were people who were doing many wonderful works. And then Jesus said in verse 23, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. But Lord, Lord, sir, Certainly you know who I am. I prophesied, I preached in your name. I cast out devils in your name. I've done many wonderful works for you. Certainly you know who I am. And Jesus said, I'm sorry, I never knew you. They were basing everything on their works. And if you base anything on your works, you'll die and go to hell. It's not based on your works. And he called it life's most embarrassing moment. To stand before God thinking everything is okay and discovering that it is not. Life's embarrassing moment. I may have told you my most embarrassing moment, but I want to tell it again because I hadn't heard it in a while. It happened when I was fishing. What could go wrong fishing? I was in North Mississippi fishing with a guy. We were crappie fishing. And we were fishing in a lake where there were trees around the edge. And you would ease up to a tree and drop your line right beside the tree. And that's where the fish were huddling up. Well, he was in the bow of the boat. And so I sat as close as I could to him in the bow of the boat. I was on the first seat. He was in the bow. So that when we got to the tree, he wouldn't have an advantage over me nor I over him. 
the problem was I was sitting where the battery was that ran the trolling motor. And there was battery acid on the seat. <clears throat> battery acid on the battery. And I was sitting in it. I got this tingling feeling. Never felt that part of my body tingle before. And I just fished like that. I'd sit on the right side until I couldn't take it anymore, and I'd sit on the left side. And you're not going to say anything. Steve, something wrong? No, no, no. I'd just fish like that for hours. Eventually, the tingling turned to burning. It is unbelievable what batter acid does. We hadn't done well fishing that day. Steve, you ready to go? Uh-huh. I've been ready to go for a long time. We went back across the lake and I stood up. My blue jeans disintegrated. The pockets on both sides gone. The second layer, blue jeans gone. Third layer was gone too. <clears throat> there was nothing back there. That was embarrassing. I don't know what your most embarrassing moment would be, but it would pale in significance to this most embarrassing moment, to stand before God thinking everything's okay and discovering that it isn't. The passage that I want you to turn to tonight is actually in the book of Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah, and we'll look at chapter three eventually. The book of Jeremiah, chapter number three. I'm going to point out a word that's only used three times in your Bible. And that's the word blush. And I'd ask the question, can you blush? We're talking about an embarrassing moment. We blush when we are embarrassed. Blood rushes to our face. We blush when we do something really stupid and people find out about it. Anybody ever done anything really, really, really stupid that you didn't want anybody to find out about? And when they did, and they said, did you do that? All of a sudden you blush. We also blush when we do something wrong and get caught. Anybody ever done anything wrong? Anybody ever been caught? Whether it was a teacher, whether it was a parent. When I was in college, I had a friend, his name was John. John had been in a lot of trouble, Bible college. John had gotten in a lot of trouble. He had broken the rules so many times that they had campused him. Now, what that meant was he could not leave campus, and it was for two weeks. But there was a problem. He had promised his girlfriend that he would come to her softball game, and she was playing in the city league, Orangeburg, South Carolina, and it was a championship game that night. And he had promised her he would be there. But he's campused. So he comes to me. Hey, Steve. Yeah? Would you sneak me off campus? Have you ever been talked into doing something you knew you should not have done? I said, John, I, I can't do that. Man, if, if they catch us, they'll, they'll hang both of us. Oh, no, no, no. They, they won't come after you. They'll just come after me. I let him talk me into sneaking him off campus. When I drove off campus, you would think I was the only one in the car. He had laid the seat down. I was waving at people on the way out. 
It was already dusk of the evening. It was a night game. We were driving through Orangeburg, South Carolina, going to the game. We drove to the city park. We parked the car. The lights were already on at the ballpark. We walked across this grassy area. We walked to the gate. We paid our money. We walked in, walked down the first base side, walked up in the bleachers and sat down. We are at the ball game. <laughs> I have successfully gotten him off campus. We're just sitting there, just looking at all the activities before the game starts, and I just look over. John, look! It was the dean of women from the college. Her name was Mrs. Comfort. <clears throat> it was no comfort to see her walk through that gate. There are four people who sat on the disciplinary committee. The dean of men, the dean of women, the president of the college, and his secretary. One-fourth of that committee who had campus John that day was right there. We knew we could not stay. And so here we are, Bible college students. You're sitting in bleachers. There's that area right behind your leg that you can crawl through. And here are two Bible college students slithering through the bleachers, hanging up underneath, dropping to the ground, trying to figure out a way how we can hide from the dean of women. We look around and there's a fence all the way around. We figured if we climbed the fence, it'd call attention to ourselves. Best thing we could figure out was when there's a crowd of people coming, just run and hope she does not recognize us from the back of our head. When a crowd was coming, we ran. We ran through the crowd. We ran out the gate. We're running across the grassy area, running to the car. Well, all of a sudden, ah, oh. John, John, difficult to explain. But John just got hit by an airplane. What are you laughing at? It's serious when you get hit by an airplane. You ever seen these city parks where they have an airplane just sitting there on a concrete pedestal? It's just sitting there. You know, it's there so parents can take their children and they can say, Mommy, Daddy, there's an airplane. John saw the airplane. As he was running, he ducked to run up under the wing of the airplane. But the engine is hanging up under the wing of the airplane. And he ran between the engine and the fuselage of the plane. And there's a brass tube that sticks out, airspeed indicator control. And as John was running, the tube caught him at the corner of his mouth and ripped him open to his ear. Stopped his forward mobility. <laughs> Threw him to the ground. And when I got to him, blood was going everywhere. I knew he needed medical attention. So I ran to a car, found a t-shirt on the floorboard, ran back and started sopping up the blood, administering medical attention. Half carrying him, half walking. We go to my car, blood all over John, blood all over me, blood all over my car. And I'm driving through Orangeburg to get him to the hospital. I'm doing 60 miles an hour, running red lights, running stop signs. And about halfway there, John starts laughing. You'd have to be in the car, blood everywhere, holding. <laughs> John, what's so funny? <laughs> what am I going to tell people? <laughs> Got hit by an airplane. <laughs> I drove up where the ambulances go in, got out and pushed that little red thing there that opened the doors. Nurses came from everywhere. 
I'm going in with John, blood everywhere. And one of the nurses says, oh, my, 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 what happened? What happened? I said, ma'am, hurry. He just got hit by an airplane. <laughs> we walk in and they sew him up. 38 stitches from the corner of his mouth to his ear. Guess who came to the hospital? It wasn't Mrs. Comfort. It was Mr. Ding. He was the Dean of Men. We called him Ding Ding. Sometimes we called him Ding Dong. I'll never forget Mr. Ding Ding came. He talked to me. He talked to the doctor. I'll never forget when he talked to John. John? Yes, sir. You left campus, didn't you? No. Have you ever been caught and still denied the fact you did it? Hey, when you're caught, you're caught. Yes, sir. Well, don't worry about meeting with the disciplinary committee. I thought that's it. They're shipping him. He's broken the rule one time too many. They're kicking him out of school. And John said, why not? Because God's taking care of the problem for us. And I thought, wow. Tore his face half off he did. <laughs> Be sure your sin will find you out. Say that with me. Be sure your sin will find you out. You may have a hard time believing this, but the next year I left campus when I wasn't supposed to. <clears throat> I know that's hard to believe. But I went to this girl's house. You need to understand, her mother, her father, this girl, and I were all in the same college classes. Slow parents. <laughs> Actually, they were going on the mission field. It just so happened we were all in school at the same time, and I was over at their house studying. I was. Mom and dad were studying their lessons. I was studying their daughter, but we were all studying. <laughs> it's amazing how we plan to do wrong things. I was going to have guys meet me at the bottom of the hill to push my car back on campus because I knew I wasn't going to make it by 11 o'clock. Oh, it was all arranged. That night, I'm coming down Broughton Avenue. It's raining. It's dark. It's night. <laughs> you know, drivers do dumb things. I was crossing over a railroad track, and as I was crossing over the railroad track, you know, you look up and down, see if anything coming. That's the wrong time to look. You should look before. <laughs> I was on the railroad track, looked this way. Pow! I mean, as soon as I looked, I got hit. When I was a sophomore in college, I got hit by a train. It's not funny. <laughs> now you know why I look the way I look. I got hit by a train. Turn to the person beside you and say, what's your excuse? <laughs> I'll never forget that night. The bars were not down. The lights were not on. They were backing up and had not intended in crossing that intersection, but they did. I was there, they were there. Hit me and took me down the track 60 yards. My first thought, ah, 
I've been hit by a train. My mind worked so simply. My second thought is I was going down the track. I wonder if they know I'm on the front of this thing. The railroad track goes right beside the dormitories. All the windows came open. All the heads came out. Hey, Steve just got hit by a train. But just as we planned, those guys helped me with my car. Matter of fact, everybody helped me with my car. Talk about getting caught. Everybody knows where you've been. All the men in the dorm, all the women in the dorm. Ding Dong was there. Mrs. Comfort was there. President of the college was there. Railroad was there. Police were there. For hours. It's amazing what the railroad people, police do, getting all their information. Three o'clock in the morning, finally, everybody's gone. Except Ding Ding. Uh, Steve, coming back to campus after hours. Yeah. Well, don't worry about meeting D.C. I've been here before. Isn't it amazing sometimes we never learn our lessons? Why not? God's taking care of the problem for us. I thought, wow. Tore my car to smithereens, he did. (laughs) Be sure your sin will find you out. In the passage of Scripture, we have a very unusual situation. God's people are living in a backslidden condition, doing things they should not be doing. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah 3, verse 3, there's a word that is used that you'll wonder why God used the word. Jeremiah 3, 3, therefore the showers have been withholden and there hath been no latter rain and thou hast a whore's forehead. Thou refuseth to be ashamed. God speaking to his people said to them, you have the face, the countenance of an immoral woman. The nation had gone away from God. Jeremiah had been given a difficult task to preach to the nation, to preach to people who were not going to listen. And even though he spent his life preaching to these people, they never listened. That is a difficult task to be given. But Jeremiah was a successful preacher because he was faithful to do exactly what God wanted him to do, even though the people did not respond. You know, I've been in ministry 50 years. Probably 60 to 65% of my ministry today is with young people. And sometimes I know that what I'm saying is not being listened to. Even though sometimes we profess the name of Christ, there's still things that we don't want to hear because we don't want to change. That was the problem here. God's people did not want to change no matter what Jeremiah said. And he says, your face is witnessing against you. Now, what would that mean? Well, I'll give the example. The first time this woman might have given herself away in sin, there would be the shame of it all. There would be the blush. 
the shame, the embarrassment. But if the act is repeated over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, you reach the place where there's no shame. You reach the place where you're no longer embarrassed about the situation. So we come to Jeremiah chapter 6. And in Jeremiah chapter 6, the first time that word is used, the word blush, is in verse number 15. And the Bible says, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Were they ashamed when they had committed their sin? Were they ashamed? I mean, direct question to God's people. Were they ashamed? And the answer is given, nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. They were not at all ashamed. And such, the indication, what they've been doing, they've been doing for so long, it has become commonplace. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, I use language sometimes that I, you know, that I shouldn't use, but it's just the way I am. No, it's the way one chooses to be. Sometimes we have sinful habits in our life. We say, well, it's just the way I am. No, it's the way we've chosen to be. We can choose a godly life or we can choose, even as a Christian, or we can choose to live ungodly. It's a choice. So what they had done, they had done so long that it didn't matter what Jeremiah said at all. Were they ashamed? No, they were not at all ashamed and and neither could they blush. And sometimes in our lives, no matter who we are, it can happen to anyone in this room. Anyone in this room. We, as they, are God's people. But if we're not careful, we can get away from the things of God. And in the society in which we live, there are many things that can draw us away from the things of God. This right here may be one of the main things that's drawing people away from God today. Because you can take your telephone, you can go online, and you can look at anything ungodly that you want to. Is it a useful tool? Absolutely it's a useful tool. But it can be a very dangerous tool. But if a person begins to look at things that are ungodly and does it over and 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 over again, you reach the place where you'll laugh it off, no matter what anybody says. And today there is a big problem, not only with young people, but with adults on pornography. And it is a result of the ease of access that we have today. And so I'm saying, no matter what it is, whether it's language, whether it's activities, if we're not careful, what goes into our eye, what goes into our ear can have an impact and can rob us from righteousness in our life. And the devil knows where to aim at each individual. And that's his goal, to get us away from the things of God. But then notice how the verse continues. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they they were not at all ashamed and neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Be sure your sin will find you out. God says, I will visit them. We know now how God visited the nation because we have the whole Bible. God visited them through the Babylonian captivity 
and it lasted 70 years. You see, the nation had gotten so far away from God that God had to do something drastic to get the people to come back to him. And that 70-year Babylonian captivity, we would say, man, that was drastic, but it worked. And it's what brought the people back to God. Being enslaved by a wicked nation for 70 long years. Look at Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 12. Again, the verse is almost, almost quoted verbatim, though not exactly. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 12, were they ashamed? When they had committed abomination, same wording there, nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Just pause there for a moment and ask yourself, what habit is it in my life tonight that would displease God that I've done over and over and over and over again? If there's no shame, it's because it has become commonplace. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall in the time of their visitation. They shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Different wording, same meaning. God says, I'm going to have to visit the people. It's the only way I can get the nation to turn. Jeremiah has preached and preached and preached and everybody didn't listen. So God says, I'll have to do something rather, rather drastic. Sad scenario. One day I had a thought. God has given Jeremiah a task of preaching to the people. My thought was this. Would God waste his time? And that's an odd statement because God never wastes his time. But my thought process, would God waste his time telling the people how they could be right with him knowing they would not listen. Do you follow that thought process? Would God waste his time giving them clear instruction when he knew they would not listen? So I went back to the first Jeremiah and started reading. Came across something rather amazing. Look in Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 6. God gave three simple Words of instruction. Verse 6, the Lord said unto me in the days of Josiah the king, Hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel hath done? She has gone upon every high mountain and at every green tree, and there hath played the harlot. And I said, after she had done all these things, and here comes the words of instruction, turn thou unto me. Simple words. Hey, Israel, God's people, turn thou unto me. But she returned not, and her treacherous sister Judah saw it. Turn thou unto me. Say those four words. Turn thou unto me. Now, some people say, well, that's a picture of repentance. Here you are walking away from God, and you turn 180 degrees. Turn thou unto me. That's not the picture. Suppose I were a multi-billionaire and I were to say to you, if you ever have a financial problem that you cannot meet, turn to me because I can meet your problem. And that's what it means. 
God is saying to the nation, you've got a problem you can't handle on your own. And when somebody goes off into sin, you've got a problem you can't handle on your own. You need to turn it over to God because God can take care of the problem. Turn thou unto me. Simple request. Look at the second one. Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 13. I love the wording of this. Only acknowledge thine iniquity. Four words. Only acknowledge thine iniquity that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God and hast scattered thy ways into the strangers under every green tree and you've not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. Only acknowledge thine iniquity. I like to word it like this. Only, only, only acknowledge thine iniquity. Say the four words. Only acknowledge thine iniquity as if it's the only thing you need to do. Sometimes it's the hardest thing for us to do to acknowledge we've done something wrong. Why does God want us to acknowledge our iniquity? Imagine this, Lord, yes, there's something I need to tell you. Oh, I've sinned. No, not you. Would I surprise God if I come to him and say that I've done wrong? No, he knows already. So why do I need to acknowledge? It's not for his benefit. It's for our benefit. God, I want to come in agreement with you about the things that are in my life. And that's why I come and acknowledge that these things are wrong. I'm turning it over to you. Turn thou unto me. Only acknowledge thine iniquity. And then the third piece of advice found in Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse number 1 and 2. If thou wilt return, O Israel, saith the Lord, return unto me. And if thou wilt put away thine abominations, put away thine abominations out of my sight then thou shalt not remove now thou shalt not remove there would not have been the Babylonian captivity I want you to notice that there would not have been the Babylonian captivity put away thine abominations say those four words put away thine abominations in other words be done with it it's not just being sorry and doing it over and over again and say every time I do it, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But it's putting it away. That's repentance. When we come to the place where we say, God, I've got a problem I can't handle. I'm going to turn to you. I'm going to acknowledge my iniquity. And I'm just going to put it away. I'm done with it. I'm going to stop doing the thing that displeases you. But they didn't. Had they, things would have been a lot different. Then there's a third word. Third time the word blush is found. Ezra. Ezra chapter 9. <clears throat> Look if you will at Ezra chapter 9. It comes before Jeremiah in your Bible. But chronologically, Jeremiah lived before the Babylonian captivity. Ezra lived after the Babylonian captivity. Important to note. Jeremiah had the difficult task preaching to God's people before the Babylonian captivity and they did not listen. Therefore, the Babylonian captivity took place. Ezra now is on the scene 
The nation has come back to God and Ezra's the prophet. But some men come to Ezra with a bad report. And the report was, Ezra, Ezra, we've got a problem. What's that? The people are going back into sin again. And we pick it up in verse 3. Chapter 9, verse 3. And when I heard this thing, the fact that the people were falling into sin, I rent my garment, my mantle, plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard and sat down astonished. I can't believe it. Did not we learn our lesson the first time? Then were assembled unto me everyone that trembled at the words of the God of Israel. Watch this phrase. Because of the transgression of those that had been carried away. Because of the Babylonian captivity. Those that had been carried away. I sat down astonished until the evening sacrifice. I cannot believe what I'm hearing. And at the evening sacrifice, I arose from my heaviness. And having rent my garment and my mantle... I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God and said, oh my God, I am ashamed. Wow, that's a different response. <laughs> In the days of Jeremiah, were they ashamed? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. I said, oh my God, I am ashamed and blush. To lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head and our trespasses grown up into the heavens. What happened in Jeremiah's day? God visited them. They could not blush. God visited them. What happened in Ezra's day? God visited them. But the visitation was entirely different. It may well be the greatest revival Israel has ever had in the history of Israel. Because men pressed Ezra, Ezra goes the next day and he stands before the people and he proclaims the message to God's people and the nation falls on their faces before God and revival spread throughout the whole nation. The greatest revival Israel has ever had and Ezra was the one who brought it on. Here's the interesting thing to consider. When one person gets something right with God, it allows God to use that one person to bring reviving to others. Here's something to consider. As God's people, if we hold on to ungodly things in our lives so that we're not walking with the Lord and we refuse to make it right, are we withholding revival that could come to other people? Because if we were to be revived ourselves, revival could come to others. It's a wonderful picture you find here in the book of Ezra. I know how it works. There had been things that had been wrong in my life for a very long time that I had never brought to the Lord and never made right but I thought about them often. One night I was praying a prayer. I said, Lord, is there anything in my life that displeases you? Bang! Instantly it shot to my mind things that had been wrong in my life. I had letters that I had to write. 
I wrote letters to people to make things right. It's an amazing thing that took place. Once I made those things right, I had the opportunity of going back to the high school that I had graduated from, things that I had done when I was in high school. I had the opportunity of going back to the high school. I've now been back to the high school on four different occasions to speak at the public high school that I graduated from and one time in the football field for a community-wide event. I'm convinced if I had not made those things right that had been wrong for a very long time, God would have never opened those doors. But the doors were opened because I got something right. Can you blush? Can you blush as a child of God knowing there are things that are wrong that need to be made right? I want no one to stand before God thinking everything is okay and finding out it isn't. That's the most embarrassing time of all. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Questions I'd like to ask. Father, tonight, I pray that you'll do what I I cannot do. I can bring the thoughts, I can bring the message, I can read the passages. But Lord, I ask that your spirit tonight do what I cannot do, and that is speak to every individual person. Whether a teenager or an adult, Lord, if there are things in our life tonight that displease you, may we not hold on them any further than tonight. But we just picture Ezra falling on his face before God and kneeling and just simply say, Lord, tonight I need to turn some things over to you. I need your help. There are things I want to acknowledge and be done with because I want to be in right fellowship with you. And I don't want my life to withhold revival from others. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder tonight if God's speaking to your heart and you say, yes, Brother Steve, there's some things that I've become very comfortable with that that really are not right. I know God wouldn't be pleased with them. I want to walk with God. I want to live for God. And there's some things tonight that I just need to lay on the altar. That's me. Just slip your hand in there and say, Brother Steve, that's me tonight. I see your hand and yours. I see your hands. I see yours around the room. Things that I just need to lay at the altar tonight. Could I ask you right now just to leave your seat and just come find your place at the altar, even before the music plays? You know, you don't need to talk to me. You don't need to talk to anyone. But I think we need to talk to God and just lay them before the, before the Lord. I wonder if there are those tonight that would say, Brother Steve, tonight, I do not know if I were to die if I'd go to heaven. That matter's never been settled, and I certainly don't want to stand before God thinking everything is okay and finding out that it isn't. I've never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. I've never received him as Savior, but I know that's what I need to do. You're among friends tonight. 
no one's going to think ill. Anybody that goes to heaven goes to heaven exactly the same way. I want for someone tonight to say, Brother Steve, I'm concerned about that. I don't know if I were to die, if I'd go to heaven. I'm concerned about it. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just slip your hand in there and say, Brother Steve, that's me. I'd like for you to pray with me about that. Just slip your hand into the air. I'll just acknowledge it. You put it down. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. But I wanted for someone tonight that says, Brother Steve, I am concerned about that. I'm not yet saved. But I want to be. I want to be. Here's my hand. Just slip your hand in there and I'll see it. You can put it right back down. Anyone at all. I'm going to ask the question in a different way because I think this is also important because I deal with young people all the time. I wanted for someone to say, Brother Steve, Sometimes I have to be honest and say, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. Sometimes I'm filled with doubt. Sometimes I think it's subtle. Sometimes I just don't know. It's not my intent to make anybody doubt their salvation. I'd never want to do that. But I know everywhere I go, there are people who live with incessant doubt, and you don't have to because the Bible is very clear. You can know that you know. Anybody like that? Brother Steve, here's my hand. I have doubts about my salvation. Would you slip your hand there and say, Brother Steve, that's me. Anyone at all? I'll ask the musician just to play. Let's stand to our feet right where we are. For the others that need to come, you just step out and come right now. While these are at the altar, there's still time for you to come. Keep this in mind. If you come... There may be others around you that come as well. They just may need the courage to do so. If God's speaking to your heart, do what God is speaking to your heart about. My invitations are always very brief, purposefully so. Because I believe if God speaks to his children, we ought to just do what God wants us to do. Others that need to come, you come right now. Paul said, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I'll say this, my heart's desire and pray for those that are in this room is there's not a single person that would leave this room not knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. There are people here who can help you. If the invitation ends, understand this, God's invitation never ends. You can see any of your pastors, any of your youth workers, you can see me, any of us. We'd be glad to sit down and talk with you in a private moment. We're here to help. Be sure your heart's clear tonight. <clears throat> I was thinking about a verse in the book of 1 John. 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, plural, things that we do. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just.
to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteous, all unrighteousness. Those we can be clean. We can be clean. And uh, there's nothing like being clean before God. We're, we're justified. There's no doubt about that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But I'm talking about our fellowship with God, our walk with God. Sin hinders our fellowship with God as believers. And uh, we can be clean. Thank you, Brother Steve, um, for that message. Um, Turn thou unto me, only acknowledge thine iniquity. Put away thine abominations. When one person gets right with God, revival can happen in that life and in another person's life. And let's don't be hindrances to that, amen? And I appreciate the truth from the word of God. And we live in an America that can't blush. It's not blushing. And God help us not as believers to, to not get to that point in our life. Um, you know, we can always find somebody worse off than we are and compare ourselves with them and say, oh, I'm all right. No, right here's, right here's the standard is God's word. We have to compare ourselves to, to the word of God, not to other people, but, but to God and to his word. Amen. And we're supposed to be little Christ, Christians. That's what little Christ is. I mean, Christian is little Christ imitators of him and to be like him that's what he wants to do is conform us to his very image and um, God help us to be sensitive to that and to allow him to do that in our lives all right well listen um we've got some food downstairs and so amen (laughs) and so we'll normally if you haven't been before we'll just uh, filter down on the sides there and we'll meet in the middle and there's some folks down there to help you and I think we've got soups and chilies and things like that Amen. Amen. Uh, uh, probably some desserts. Amen. Some sweet tea and lemonade. And uh, we got some things down there. We hope you'll stay. And once again, we appreciate you coming out tonight and driving and uh, being here. I know some of you come a distance and uh, been busy all week, all day. We appreciate it. I, I did want to make one announcement. If um, we are going on a mission trip, some folks from our church, to Honduras in June. It's like June, the middle of June, the... Uh, 16th, I think, or 13th through the 16th, 24th. I can't remember exactly the dates. What is it, Mert? 15th to the 22nd, June 15th to the 22nd. So if you're interested in going on that trip, um, of course it would be you know high school uh, age or uh, perhaps some adults. Um, it's about $1,600, and we're going to Honduras with the Good Samaritan Baptist Missions. There's missionaries we support here. Bob and Joan Tyson years ago started the ministry out of T- Tennessee Temple University. Pastor and Robin's been over there, some other folks. But uh, if you're interested at all in that, see me, and um, we'll try to get you in on that if you're interested at all on that, all right? All right, um, Pastor, you have anything? Okay, all right. Well, we're going to be dismissing a word of prayer, and uh, I'm going to ask Pastor Luke Benton, if he would, to dismiss us in prayer, and uh, pray for our food, if you would, please, sir. Father, thanks for the message preached tonight. God, thank you so much for your mercy. Yes. Amen.